Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. I have a very simple question for you today, Samantha. Mm. <laughs> Do you put tape over your webcam? Uh, so I used to put post-it notes over my webcam. Uh, the uh-huh. new computer I've got, you actually have a little button and you could just slide it over. So it covers oh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I do that. Isn't that kind of... I mean, that's nice, but also very telling of our times and what we're talking about today. Yep. <laughs> I have tape over mine. I didn't have it for a while because I got a new laptop. But then I was researching this episode and in the middle of it, I went and found tape and put tape over <laughs> I mean, it's, it's concerning for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. And with that being said, today we are talking about cyber stalking and sextortion. So trigger warning for um, some abusive behavior, some controlling behavior and stalking. And uh, yeah, sexual abuse. And domestic violence. <laughs> I have that in there. Uh, and this has been on my mind because as I've spoken about on the show, I recently lost my phone. And I did, Samantha knows, I did all kinds of things to try to find it. I was like, text this thing to my phone. And I was doing the, you know, Google find my phone. And I was looking online because, you know, everything was like, it's easy to find your lost phone. But and it would say you have to have installed, installed this before you lost it. But, while I was desperately searching for a way to find my phone, I ran across so many of these top Google search suggestions of things like how to spy on your wife, how to find out if your wife is cheating. So many apps to install secretly on someone's phone. And this is like within the first two pages of Google when I'm like, I want to find my lost phone. This is what was coming up. And I have, I've talked about it before. I know on an episode we did with Bridget about how this is a new genre of horror that really freaks me out. This whole kind of cyber stalking, spying thing. There's that whole really disturbing Black Mirror episode about it. For some reason, I'm reading a creepy fan fiction about it that really (laughs) disturbs me. I wasn't, I didn't know that's where it was going to go, but it did. And now I can't stop reading. (laughs) So I don't know what to do about that. And then I, I don't know if you do this, Samantha, but I talk to like the man that watches me as in like in theory, this like government, poor government sap that is like, wow, she's reading more fan fiction. <laughs> I do not do that. You don't talk to your, the poor spy no. that's assigned to you? But I have a dog to talk to, so. Ah, okay. Replaces that. Yeah, I got yeah. it. I got it. And then I was thinking about this today because our company has some pretty big brother type policies. So hello, big brother company. Yes. I used to have a friend who worked at a company in our building and they had to put in a flash drive every time when they arrived to work so that the flash drive would record everything they, every website they did, every everything they did on the computer. And then they would take out the flash drive and turn it back in so they could look at what was on there. And it's just one of those things where... That could be abused so easily. Yeah, especially the work we do. Could you imagine? Oh, oh, Lord. <laughs> we just talked about the fact, like, we had that virginity episode. We've had orgasm, orgasm episodes. Yeah. We've had stalker mm-hmm. women who kill episodes. Um, yep. All of those are really concerning if you just saw women that. Like, what the killers. hell are you looking up? Like, nothing. 
I'm buying. It's for work. QAnon, all of those things. <laughs> right, right. We would we would raise some suspicions for sure. <laughs> well, I would also, as a social worker, go into like kids' sites and look to make sure I can find people, see if I can stalk mm. them. Like I have to try to hunt them down. Um, and make mm. sure they're okay. I had to go into kids' sites when they would post like sexual explicit stuff and be like, you have to take this down. This is, right. you know, child porn, stuff like that. So I, oh God. Yeah. And talk about stalking. I stalked Yeah. Them. I try not to think about it too much. And I know it's like a running joke. And I even texted my friend and was like, if I die, you know, destroy my computer, destroy my search history. And work stuff aside, I think people would be, they would give me some wiggle room for that. But even like, the stuff I do isn't that. People wouldn't be surprised about the fan fiction. Like, no, I, I, I don't wouldn't. know, but I still wanted it. I was like, please. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like I have a set of, like, if I disappear, you go to these places, take these things and get rid of those things. Not because they're anything <laughs> bad, but I'm more embarrassed. <laughs> right, exactly. It's the embarrassment. You're not there to defend yourself. Right. I, that's Right, that's how I feel too. It, it, it makes you sound so much shadier. Right. <laughs> We're not hiding anything else. No, no, definitely not. So we have done past episodes on stalking. Check those out if you want to learn more. Uh, we did also discuss a lot of what we're going to be talking about in our grooming episode. And the recent episode we did with Bridget about online harassment, all of that's kind of at play in this conversation. And then I did want to put this in here. Earlier in 2021, over 30 women sued the website Pornhub and their parent company, MindGeek, for operating as a, quote, classic criminal enterprise and hosting and profiting from content that, according to them, is non-consensual that may involve child pornography, sex trafficking, and rape and sexual assault. The lawsuit claims that the site and the company behind it allowed for the posting, incentivization, and monetization of this content. In the words of one of the attorneys representing the plaintiffs, the case is not about consensual porn or negligence. It's about a porn company's intentional election to include in their business model rape and other non-consensual content. The lawsuit alleges that the company purchased bulk content from sex traffickers and hid it under shell corporations. Some girls report being pressured by boyfriends to send videos of them undressing, which then got posted. So that is also a part of what we're going to be talking about. And this is a complicated situation that often gets oversimplified. Uh, of course, any of this content they're talking about should get taken down and Pornhub should be held accountable for the content they host. But at the same time, you do get conservative groups decrying porn in general. That muddies the whole thing. And we've talked about that before. With You see that with like QAnon and all that stuff. But yeah, this is not exactly what we're talking about today, but we are talking about things that allow for stuff like this to happen. Right. So uh, let's get into the basics. Yes. What is cyberstalking? According to Marshall, cyberstalking refers to the use of the internet, email, or other telecommunication technologies to harass or stalk another person. It's not the mere annoyance of an unsolicited email. We get all of those. We know that. It is methodical, deliberate, and persistent. The communication, whether from someone known or unknown, do not stop even after the recipient has asked the sender to cease all contacts and are often filled with inappropriate appropriate and sometimes really disturbing content. Cyberstalking is an extension of the physical form of stalking. Yes, and it's related to sextortion, which is a term that first started popping up in 2010, though it may have first appeared in 1950. The DOJ addressed it in 2011 and the FBI cautioned about it in 2012. 
So this is when someone threatens to release sensitive information, images, or videos unless the target sends nude pictures, performs a sexual favor, pays them some money, becomes a, quote, cam slave, things like that, maybe a mixture of all those things. Um, both of these, uh, cyberstalking and sextortion, do more directly impact girls and women. Experts estimate that the number of people affected by cyberstalking is in the tens of thousands, but could be in the hundreds of thousands. In 2018, there were 16,974 complaints of cyberstalking filed with the FBI. Only 16 were prosecuted. The FBI has reported a recent uptick in cases that fall under federal cyberstalking laws. Although... That's kind of complicated. There's no real federal cyberstalking law. We'll get into that. There are things that it falls under. The head of the Homeland Security Investigations here in Atlanta said when asked about this, predators used to stalk playgrounds. This is the new playground. Right. I think one of the biggest problems, and we've talked about this before, is that the laws cannot keep up with technology. Again, right. something that yeah. probably can do better. So while we often think of women being the victims of sextortion, men and boys are not immune. Uh, they may be enticed into performing sex acts in front of webcams with an attractive woman who may herself be coerced, unaware they're being recorded, and they are all then threatened with uh, this release of the footage. And often, very often, shamed for it and guilted into it. And this has in some cases led to suicide. We know some uh, teen deaths because of this. Mm -hmm. In some cases, male perpetrators have impersonated significant others to trick women into sending them sexual videos. Yes, and many perpetrators target women and girls who are aspiring actors and models under the guise of offering them a role. Others would pose as celebrities such as Justin Bieber to demand nude pictures from young girls. Sometimes um, they edit the material to look as though they've posted compromising images or videos to porn sites, so they'll make it look like they did. Maybe they actually didn't, but they'll send you something that makes you think that they did. And many people who perpetrate these acts report that it is all about power, feeling like you are controlling someone. And it's really heartbreaking to read like the text exchanges of you know a young girl being like, you're ruining my life, please stop. And they're like, no, why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Really, really heartbreaking. And yeah, as an actor, I've seen this. And our agent will send out messages and be like, if you get the message from this guy, he has nothing to do with anything in movie or film. He's just asking for pictures of people. And that's just a part of our business. It's like a message that goes out to, to people in an occupation. It's just odd. <laughs> Cyberbullying is a part of this conversation too. And some argue that cyberstalking is a form of cyberbullying. So a lot of times when you look up cyberstalking, you'll you'll end up in cyberbullying websites that have kind of a little section about cyberstalking. I do think it is, well, it's not like new, it's newer in terms of people really trying to combat it or think about how we can protect ourselves from it and how big of an issue that it is. Right. So we do have some more numbers and specifics for you. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So just like stalking, cyber stalking is usually perpetrated by someone the victim knows. Co-workers, exes, significant others, and friends. However, like I was saying before, this is still kind of new, especially in terms of data collection. 
And so some places say kind of the opposite thing, <laughs> um, where it's somebody who has this like freedom of the internet and can do it from wherever. So it makes sense to me that it would be someone you know, but it also makes sense that it would be somebody who's just looking for someone to target. Women aged between 18 to 30 are the most common targets. One study found that sex extortion in particular victimizes children under 18 at a rate of 71%. Compared to stalking, some experts argue that because of things like the lack of obstacles, instant gratification, lack of need to be in the same geographic location, and difficulty to prosecute, cyberstalking is more common and more attractive for perpetrators. Sextortionists are almost all male. Many are repeat offenders. Most do not adhere to the conditions of their sextortion. So if they say, send me this, and then I'll give you whatever back, most of them don't. As I learned when looking online about how to find a lost phone, there are so many apps out there that can be used to spy on people, and their functionalities are terrifying, like location tracking, remote use of camera. There's also a bunch of apps that, quote, guarantee to put a stop to cyberstalking for a price, which I can't speak to whether or not they work or not, but I find that really infuriating that you could be in a terrifying situation, and it's you're desperate, and you go and are like, okay, $100, will just fix this, and then... Might not fix it. Right. And that's kind of the same thing with identity fraud. When we have these major corporations who decided to take advantage of it and be like, pay us a monthly fee and we'll help you. Maybe. Right. Uh, If not, we'll help you get it back. Maybe. We'll we'll try. But I think that's also a thing. And I I know also out there within the dark web, there are white knights, I believe, who try to come in and infiltrate systems to let people be aware. So we had that situation of the dude who had a, a camera a ring camera, and they actually started talking to each other. He was like, hey, That's right. your number is listed on the web. They can get you mm-hmm. real quick. And they had this, he's like, what? He's like, change your password right now. So there's mm-hmm. definitely that too. I think a little more rare. Still just as creepy, maybe? But a nicer yeah. way, I guess? Maybe you felt <laughs> <Nice>. guilty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so speaking of creepy, imagine you have a friend or partner that knows your pen to your phone. You leave the room for something. They could easily change settings in your phone, install a hidden spyware app, things like that. Sometimes these apps are called spouseware or stalkerware. These apps are usually specifically marketed as a way to track your spouse and catch some cheating. Like, they're not even hiding. Others, called dual-use apps, are not intended to be used for cyberstalking, but can be. Things like the I Lost My Phone app or apps used to keep track of where your kids are or something like Find My Friends can be modified to track someone without their knowledge. Google and Apple claim to have consulted domestic violence groups to address these concerns, but most of their advice still requires that you are at the very least suspicious and aware of the ins and outs of technology. So you would still have to have some level of I don't trust my friend or spouse or whatever, right? Which a lot of people don't necessarily have. Because when I was looking this up, and I've considered myself pretty technologically savvy, I was like, wait, (laughs) what? (laughs) This is terrifying. Right. 
So one NPR survey of 82 domestic violence shelters found that 85% of them had to help people with whose partners used GPS to track their movements. And by the way, we've also seen cases, uh, murder cases, kidnapping cases, any type of cases where detectives and law enforcement actually use this as well. They tracked, I remember there was one case, they tracked a watch, a fitness watch, for a rape Mm -hmm. case. And there was a whole back and forth about, is this impeding people's rights? Is this constitutionally okay? Yeah, Mm -hmm. but just your, and I have one of these. I have a fitness watch, but it definitely locates your GPS and Mm -hmm. it also shows what you're doing, sort of. Kind of tell by the monitoring. Really creepy, Mm -hmm. but I use it. (laughs) And then 75% dealt with partners who spied on them with apps. And many of these shelters have a digital detox center. And if you've ever seen a spy movie, you know, you got to get rid yeah. of your phone. You got to get rid of your GPS. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of these domestic violence shelters provide like a, what we would call like a brick phone. Right. Where essentially, all it does is call. And that is it. So this this NPR study also profiled an app called MSpy. For about $70 a month, this app instructs you how to install it and then hide any trace of it, even with a verified symbol next to it, making it look legit. It monitors text messages, Call logs, call recordings, pictures, videos, every website visited, every key typed. This allows people to figure out people's usernames and passwords. It can be used to block phone numbers, further isolating the victim, and location tracking all on top of that. But one of the scariest things is the eavesdrop function. When someone calls, whether you answer or not, the speakerphone is activated and recording starts. So as someone who gets like, Probably 20 spam calls a day. That would be a lot, a lot of eavesdropping that could happen to me. Right. So most, but not all states have laws against cyberstalking, and it's recent. And those that don't, uh, usually they'll prosecute cyberstalking under harassment or stalking laws. There isn't a federal law against cyberstalking, but there is one that covers it. So, so many loopholes. Mm-hmm. However, many officials aren't fully up to date on the ways people can be harassed and victimized using technology. We know this. Many of them don't even understand the technology. Many of them don't believe this technology. Right. Which makes this whole thing super difficult. Uh, Many law enforcement offices don't have the resources, even though they get millions of dollars. (laughs) They have lots of weapons. Just know that. Mm -hmm. Some outlets have pointed out the prosecution is frequently quite lenient, and they are, even no matter what. And we've seen them in way too many cases when it comes to bullying. They don't even have that on record for face-to-face bullying. So having it on an internet text, it doesn't work, right. especially when you start talking about the First Amendment, which is completely uh, misinterpreted right. for this specifically. Yeah, and, and there are so many um, case studies or examples that were given in researching this, and I know we've talked about them before, but where women would, you know, be like, I'm being cyber-stalked, or this is what's happening to me, and they would have to explain the technology, like they would have to do right. this whole extra step and then kind of having, yeah, this bemused, like, are you sure this is a fake response? Can't you just delete it? Yeah. And this yeah. doesn't include the victim blaming that is associated with all of this. So immediately, if you right. have a sexy picture, your credibility right. goes out the window. Yeah. Yeah. So the technology available and the level of data collection that happens on the internet just at large has played into these high numbers of cyberstalking that are, yes, continuously going up. So on top of all the things 
we've talked about with phone, there's also cyberstalking online. And that, that can involve similar things like tracking online, installing tracking apps on someone's uh, laptop, and also, yeah, access to cameras, sending unsolicited or threatening messages, overwhelming a target of cyberstalking's chat channels with messages, starting online rumors or sharing videos or pictures, edited or not, without consent, like revenge porn, blackmailing, setting up websites that host stories that may be true or not about the person, breaking into an online accounts to pose as a person and ruin their reputation, spyware, um, oh, and even like hidden cameras in people's homes with some audio capabilities, things like that. All of this usually takes place over time, and it is a very, very scary experience that is, yes, often dismissed. Cyberstalking can result in negative outcomes like trouble sleeping, hypervigilance, nightmares, high levels of stress, trouble eating, feelings of loss of control and safety, feelings of helplessness, fear, and isolation, things like that. Yeah, there's so many things. So online dating has also played into this, uh, which sucks because a part of dating could be sending sexy pics, uh, messages, or videos. I've never done that. Part of this is because I worked in social work and I knew what was happening. <laughs> uh, but And since at least 90% of the U.S.'s 54 million single people have tried online dating, there's a lot for would-be cyberstalkers to mine from. And thanks to the fact we're constantly tied to our phones, yes I am, computers and other technology, there are so many avenues for us to be victimized. And they can turn things we depend on into sources of fear and harassment. And yeah... When it's on, when they have one picture, it doesn't even matter. It can be there for, it's there forever. Like I remember having to show a kid who had been uh, sending pics of herself to a boy, which I was like, this is a huge mistake. It's going to come back to bite you if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that you sending a picture of yourself, it can actually be considered child porn. Other mm-hmm. story. But having to show her that I could go back and pull it up for her, and she was kind of like, oh, oh. So yeah. definitely... It doesn't disappear. Yeah. Um, and, and it is really, really unfortunate because we're, we're not looking to fear monger or anything, but right. this is just something you should be aware of. And it, it sucks. It does because you shouldn't have to worry about that if you're dating online and you do want to send a sexy right. picture. It is extremely unfortunate that that is something we have to worry about. And yeah, a lot of people, especially people who were like, uh, got the flooded of channels or whatever, they would just talk about how like every notification they'd get on their phone would just send this mm-hmm. fear fear through them. And it is something we depend on. And it is something that a lot of us use for um, all kinds of like fun things. So to have it turned into that. So some experts break down cyberstalking into types. One of the most common is email cyberstalking. This can involve trying to fix a relationship, start a relationship, threatening or traumatizing through unsolicited messages, sending viruses, or flooding someone's inbox. Um, then there's internet cyberstalking with the goal of slandering or threatening the victim. This can involve breaking into accounts, spoofing, sending pornographic images, and using spyware. Doxing can fall under this too, posting private information posing as the victim and asking strangers for sexual activity or um, building entire websites, yes, with the intent of inviting strangers to degrade and harass the victim. Victims have reported strangers showing up at their door or place of work expecting sex. In one case, over 1,000 people showed up at his home. But then there are computer cyber stalkers, uh, stalkers who control the victim's computer, which is 
Also terrifying. <laughs> also terrifying. Um, so we do have some some advice, but first we're gonna pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So if you suspect or have confirmed you are the target of cyberstalking, organizations have some steps and advice to take, which is further complicated because a lot of it's online. <laughs> so again, <laughs> if you haven't already looked this up, it can be something frightening or perhaps not even possible on your home devices. Here's what Marshall recommends. Trust your instincts and exercise caution if you have an abuser who is good with technology. So if you notice things like difficulty turning off phone or if it takes longer than normal, an unexplained increase in your data bill, an increase in battery drainage, it could be a spyware app. Experts also suggest checking to see if your phone is rooted or jailbroken. Backing up your phone is also a good idea. All of this is with the caveat that a stalker or abuser may be able to see what you're doing. So you have to take that into account and make sure you're doing what is best for you and your particular situation. On the security questions, don't answer with something guessable. Answer with something weird. I've been doing this for years. Works for me, <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> right. Have a safety plan in place. Uh, organizations like RAIN or the National Sexual Assault Hotline can help with this, and some have quick close features for laptops. I know there's been a lot of features that allow for that and also features mm -hmm. that could ask for help, but it looks like you're talking to a friend. Uh, right. You can also seek out a safer computer at a public place if you think yours might be compromised um, and this is an option for you. Yeah. Create new email accounts. Look at the settings in your phone, stuff like security, GPS, changing passwords and PIN numbers. When I lost my phone, that it was like... Over several days, I kept thinking of other things I had to change my password on. Like, oh yeah, that one too. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. Use a corded phone for a more private conversation. Again, if this is something you have access to. Um, baby monitors can be listened in on as well. Um, get a new or donated phone. Some crisis centers, like we said, provide these. If possible, learn more about policies of agencies and companies when it comes to publishing online data. Uh, we talked about options like Delete Me in a recent episode with Bridget that can help you find and delete public information. Uh, get a private mailbox for communications you want to keep private and covering your webcam with, uh, as Annie does, removable tape if yours doesn't have the feature that allows you to just shut it off. Just slide it on over, yeah. Um, they also recommended things like using a gender-neutral password, never giving out your password, which I know a lot of us are guilty of, never giving out personal information to a site or online entity you don't trust, and if you have children, instruct them on these security measures too. Um, don't respond to an email from an unknown person. Regularly search your name to see what comes up. That takes a lot of courage. I know, <laughs> but... <laughs> On top of that, most organizations suggest keeping an incident log of any communications with the cyber stalker. And yes, having these conversations with children so they know how to stay safe online. And something else that could help that we talk about a lot, more data. Right now, the situation is seriously understudied and misunderstood. Like I, right. as I was saying, as we were going through this, they, I, I saw conflicting things all over the place right. where it was like... Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to anonymity and the internet, 
it gives it a lot of free access and stuff like swatting. That's a whole different level when you come to like Twitch and all those things. And yeah, that's the other part is there's more and more technology. Things like Amazon on their Alexa doing the sidewalk feature, but that I immediately was like, nope, because it shows it for some reason wants you to share with yeah. complete strangers. And I feel like, hey, Amazon, that's dumb. <laughs> dumb. Also, things like Google, who have been accused repeatedly of data mining, as well mm. as having companies that are all the time hacked. Yeah. All of the credit card companies, all mm-hmm. of the credit overseeing companies, like they get all that information and identities being sold because they have features yeah. like that. We're not even talking about that as part right. of the cyber stalking because, yeah, that's easily accessible. We've known for a long time, if you go to white pages and you want to pay some money, you can get complete access to home, phone number, address. You just have to pay $10 a subscription, yeah. uh, which is really, really absurd and quite quite alarming, as in fact. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't even include any of that. We're talking more about the personal level. But when it comes to, and we've talked about this with Bridget, corporate responsibility, and no one really, yeah. really actually dealing with that, that's a whole mm-hmm. different conversation. It is. It's uh, it's another one of those things where so much of the advice we're giving in this is basically putting the impetus on you and the responsibility on you to be vigilant when you shouldn't have to be so concerned that a company that you uh, use got hacked. Right. And now. Right. And yeah, we shouldn't have to pay extra money for buying a service that should have been already included in the service that we're paying for. Right. <laughs> right. Just a little salty, just a little salty. Uh, Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, listeners, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Steph Never Told You or on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. Thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.